This is Daniel Figella, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you do not want to learn how to write Python, but you do want to help inform a powerful AI strategy and find high ROI AI initiatives, you've tuned into the right place. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the future of AI and insurance, but bigger than that, we're going to be talking about strategy for AI, particularly in this case through the lens of insurance, but the lessons here are going to apply to everybody. When it comes to applying AI in the enterprise, it is about much more than jacking in a technology, using a new dashboard, and now we've got all the benefits. It's often about rethinking our processes. It's often about rethinking the way we store, use, and leverage data. It's often about rethinking where we want to be as a company five years from now. So it's not that every AI adoption requires us to re-envision our entire organization, but often very robust embedding of AI in core processes really does force us to think in new ways. And, and some of that thinking is often the most productive element of AI adoption. That's really the capability ROI we talk about here at Emerge. Our guest this week is Christian Van Leeuwen. He is the CSO and co-founder at Friss. Friss has over 200 employees. They're focused on claims, underwriting, and investigation in insurance. They work with some of the biggest names in insurance. And in this episode, Christian talks a little bit about some of the trends that insurance leaders in underwriting and claims have been up against in the last few years since COVID. What is changing? What are they seeing more of? What challenges are they up against? And secondly, he talks about a big picture concept that they refer to as trust automation. This is kind of a a paradigm shift about how insurance firms might deal with trust. This is their own idea there at Frisk. This is something from Christian's own mind. And he tees up at a high level what it would look like for an insurance company to start with trust as the default. How do we set up our data? How do we set up our processes? How do we set up the way we talk to customers so that trust is a default as opposed to distrust? being the default. Obviously, insurance fraud is a very big deal. And in economic downtimes, we're often going to see an uptick in that insurance fraud. And so companies are certainly concerned there. But can we operate from a position of trust, make things smoother for us, less costly, but also better for customers, a better customer experience? Well, that's what Christian kind of frames in this episode. And I think for those of you listening in, there's a lot to think about in terms of how you frame the paradigm your organization is stepping into. So I hope there's a lot to learn from. This episode is sponsored by Friss. Without further ado, this is Christian Van Leeuwen here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Christian, welcome to the show. Hi. Good to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thanks. I know we've got a lot to unpack from kind of a big picture perspective, lots of use cases to go into, but I want to talk about some of the meta perspective in the insurance space. You guys work with underwriting, you work with claims, you work with special investigators. The last two and a half years have been a bit of a wacky time in the insurance industry in terms of tech adoption and dealing with new challenges. When you look at kind of the high level about how those departments in insurance are having to adapt and what they're up against that has sort of changed their workflows... What is that snapshot for you? How do you summarize that for people looking at this industry? Yeah, so that's a great question. So actually, how we, of course, we've been in touch with a lot of customers and prospects from the insurance industry and insurance professionals in, in general. And so what we what we start noticing that a lot of the challenges that, that they were facing also coming out of COVID was mainly that everything would 
needs to be faster, better, and smoother in terms of experiences that uh, the insurance uh, companies give to their customers. So meaning that whenever there's a claim, customers really nowadays do expect it to have a smooth settlement, a fast payment. And if that doesn't happen, it's it, the customer loyalty simply is, is, is not there anymore. So customers easily drop off and go to the next insurance company and 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 based out coming out of that a lot we see a lot of insurance companies automate a lot of their processes right so that's also based out of covid digitizing their processes not just from a cost perspective but also to stay competitive and meaning that for instance in underwriting they need to deliver that instant quote to the market because if they if they are late with their quotes then the customers already on to the next one so it's all about delivering a faster better and smoother experience throughout these core processes of insurance companies and on top of that a lot of new data also comes into play where new innovations come out where also customers expect insurance companies to work with that data and to also manage that as part of their processes and we started noticing all out of these challenges that there was one thing that actually stood out. A lot of these processes were designed initially on the basis of distrust, meaning that we have to validate a lot of the things if they're actually true or not, and working from that in, in, in the process. And when they, once they started to automate that, and also they figured out that they couldn't just automate any process without checking and validating a lot of these facts. So basically, it, it sort of led us to thinking about how could we how could we turn that around, right? What is how could insurance companies turn that around, coming from the distrust by default and moving towards a more a situation where there is like the trust is there and they can they can already design their process how they most most optimally will support the customer experience there. Hmm. I, and so when you're talking about, you're, you're mentioning a number of things, I mean, you know, digitizing processes, using new data sources that are becoming available to business leaders, et cetera. I think these are things that probably everybody in almost any industry can understand. This idea of kind of, you know, no trust as a default, it feels like there could be some unique elements here to insurance specifically. Has there been even less and less trust sort of since COVID or since some of these additional digital transformations over the last couple of years? In other words, has that become enhanced or is it just a continuation of precisely the same culture we've had for the last, you know, half a decade, decade? Uh, I think so when we talk to the insurance professional in the industry, everybody sort of acknowledged that that was kind of the, the play that existed for for a bit of a longer time already, that that it was basically running by, let's say, on distrust by default, how we how we call that. So each time when unwriting applications or quotes were being asked for, we would typically validate all the information that would come in in order to make sure that the risk they were writing that that was indeed the risk they wanted to write, and that what actually was true that all the the checks, all the facts uh, would check out and. Um, but I think especially what we've seen due to COVID is that a lot of these processes, they were automated. And I often share this example where one of our customers, they were really into giving the customer the best experience and they designed a whole new claims process, which would automatically pay out customers if they just fitted and checked certain boxes in their 
And so they had a, 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 a super experience for the customer. They just click, 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 upload a few documents as evidence, and they were, and the money was in the bank account. So customers really happy. But then they started noticing that they could not just trust any claim that was filed. And they missed that human touch in the process. So typically, normally, a claim handler would sit behind that and say, okay, let's, let's, let's validate if everything checks out. And if that's okay, we, we then go to the payout. But now that when the process was completely automated, they started noticing that they, they, they lost a lot of money because actually a group of people, just the small percentage of the, the honest, uh, the, these were the dishonest customers yes. then, that they could not trust. They were actually, they found out this game, they played around the process and they got a lot of claims paid based on fake evidence, which the, the evidence that they uploaded was not really there. And it was documents that, that did not validate. Huh. And this, this brought us actually to the, the point. So, okay, what, what is this called now? And so how can we label this, this, this trend that's going on, which we name trust automation, but basically it's about envisioning how your process would look like if you really could generally trust every customer in that comes into your process, every claim that comes in. So imagine how your process would be very smooth if you could just, could by default, trust everything that comes into the, into the process. Yeah. Well, I, and this, this sounds like, you know, there's a lot of potential challenges here. I mean, one thing that you're bringing up, if I'm hearing you correctly, Christian, is digital transformation opened up some new opportunities. It opened up some new ways to service customers to get to that speedy conclusion that they're all looking for because they don't have all, all day. They're, they're not, they're not ready to sort of sit around for three months while you do your silly process. So we, we can help to remedy some of that, but of course, new gateways open now for how that could be manipulated. If the the process is faster and it's smoother, well, there might be some rules of thumb we can use to manipulate it. And I think, you know, unfortunately, until human nature changes, which, you know, brain computer interface is not exactly the focus of this podcast, but we'd probably have to get there for that to happen. We should expect that some amount of that, you know, is just going to be the state of affairs. That said, again, you're bringing up a great point here. What would it look like to imagine trust as the default? I'm even thinking, what does it look like to to bring that idea to life. I mean, it would seem as though we need systems that maybe have some kind of inherent trust baked in. We'd need evidence providing portals that automatically filter what kind of evidence can be uploaded based on certain circumstances and and build a system that maybe is more trusted just at a hard infrastructure level, at almost like a rules level. But for, for you, what does this paradigm look like in practice? Yeah, so it, it really boils down to looking at the entire digital policy lifecycle, right? So looking at from, from all the way up to the front uh, in the quotation, the underwriting process uh, throughout the entire, uh, when there is a claim and indeed when something is not right, you have to verify and validate and maybe even do an investigation on that piece. But it, if we look at the, the beginning of the, the process to have that instant trust built in, there are a couple of factors that come into play here because in the end, you want to know if a new customer presents a risk that they want to, that, that they want an application for in terms of getting a policy. You would need to understand from that in real time, can I really trust the, the data that's being sent in? Is it, does it actually check out? So it's based on 
do I want to do business? Do, can I do business with it, this customer? Is this indeed the risk that they are that they are providing, which checks out for me? So, and these are all questions that typically were a combination of expert in the process, of course, so the underwriter in this case. But by automating a lot of these processes, we really need to support those the the insurance professionals here, the underwriters, in in giving back those those trust decisions in real time at the moment they they need it to make that decision and so it's not it's just about can i trust the customer can i trust the risk that's that's now being offered to me in in an underwriting process but it's also can i trust the data right is it processed in a safe way and so a lot of these trust factors they come into play and actually would if we how we envision it and and also that's what we of course as fresh focus on a lot is that we offer that platform where the insurance professional and in their in their end-to-end process can at every point in that process where they need to make that trust decision or a decision based on trust where they just can rely on that platform to give them the right information at that point in time to to make that decision yeah okay got it so it sounds as though there's probably clearly what you folks do is there's a technology element. Clearly, there is also some guidance on sort of the execution of that technology and, and maybe how to think through the solving of some of these problems. It sounds to me, tell me if I'm, I'm right or wrong here, Christian, but that part of that guidance element is, okay, customer, it's not just plug in this tool and then we will get you this result and goodbye. It's more of, hey, now that we're now that we have these capabilities on our hands, now that we're able to do these kind of things, let's talk together about how to set up like what information would this professional need under these circumstances to really know they're making the right decision how should data be tracked and and monitored under these circumstances in order to make sure it's being used sort of the right way so it almost feels like there's a a strategy and guidance element of of what you folks are are doing with clients here exactly yeah exactly and and it's that thought leadership of course that we feel that we need to bring to the market that we need to help our customers in this transition by also leveraging the learnings in their process so it's indeed how you mentioned it so uh, delivering that technology the api that they can just step out their core system get send in and that the process in real time it's processing the data and it brings back the decision to help make that decision but underneath it's a platform which also learns from okay what has happened with similar claims or similar risks that have been provided and yeah. what patterns could we find out of those that are now very interesting to also give back in that process in order to create a more healthy portfolio or to be able to automate this process in an effective way and and making sure that that customer experience is still smooth and fast because there's no time to really do that in a more traditional sense of way. So in that way, with the, the platform we offer there and the application in that platform, they support every step in the, in the entire cycle, both from making that decision, but also getting the learnings out, delivering the insights on what is happening in, in throughout their, their life cycle, what are the trends, what are the, the more the strategic teams that they need to be looking into when selling in, in a certain market or to, to a certain group of customers, 
which they in the end can turn around to make a better process or a more profitable book of business and, and helping them in their strategic transformation as, a, as an insurance industry. Yeah, well, it, it, so this is this is useful, and I think it's it's very interesting here for both vendors and buyers of AI technology, vendors and users of AI technology, to understand just how much value is in the context of how we use the tool. So much more than plug it in like a little SaaS tool, and now it has this little fun feature, and then you're done. It really is a, a paradigm of changing the way we leverage data. A paradigm of, in this case changing the level of trust we have by default. And this is kind of the vision you guys are working towards. Maybe, you know, I know in a, in a later conversation, Christian, we're going to get more into explicit use cases, but for the sake of picking apart this grander idea of where insurance can move towards of having a higher level of trust by default, talk to us a little bit about what it's going to take for the insurance industry to get there. In other words, there's things that immediately come to my mind, but you talk to a lot more insurance companies than I do specifically about you know, the workflows you guys impact. I can I can think about this in many, many ways. Trust is a default. What do we need? Well, in some cases, we need data intake to change. We need to make sure that the, the quote unquote evidence provided is filtered and sent in through the right kind of field so that we're not getting a bunch of junk and gunk. We need to make sure that maybe customer information is findable through some 360 search. And maybe that need, means we need to store customer data in a different way. We need to look at some of our processes, some of which are maybe based on a lot of manual spot checking. And we need to ask the question, which of those can we just patch up? so that we don't need to do that manual spot checking anymore. It feels like there's a process overhaul, a data intake overall. There's many, many components here. When you think about over the next half a decade, decade, if this trust becomes the norm, what are the moving pieces that need to fit in place? Yeah, it's uh, like massive change, of course, for the industry. And it's uh, it's it's part of these that, that ongoing digitalization that currently is also still happening. So it started and it's still going strong as ever. I think also in terms of being and staying competitive, it's one of the key things for insurance companies to stay focused on. And if we look at, for instance, what, what are the things that they come into play in, in when starting to think about, is also, <clears throat> as we talked about, looking at that process, but also looking at where do we want to be in a couple of years from now. And eh? so yeah. there are Already large, the game changes currently happening in the market are about that IoT data is flooding, is soon going to be flooding like uh, towards the insurance industry. And so we, we've seen IoT data just in, in parts where uh, where we talked about telematics, right? And there, there are some use cases there that are interesting, right? But they just touch on like very small piece of the business right now. But we expect that IoT data is coming, coming, going to come in, in in much larger volumes. And initially, we also believe that it will, will um, the volume will increase quite strongly in commercial insurance, where, for instance, smart buildings will be sending a lot of sensory data, IoT data, to insurers to also better be able to assess the risks that, that actually is there. And therefore, giving the customer lower premium, but also asking risk prevention measures for the building to be put in place in order to get that lower premium and better service in the end. So it, it's it's opening up a whole new area of, of innovations that, that now the insurance companies can think about in delivering that to the to back to the industry. And this is just one area, right? IoT yeah. and there are a lot of other uh, use cases that come into play there. But also if you look at, for instance, underwriting, it's even McKinsey that's 
that's projected that in 2030, that underwriting as we now know it will cease to exist. And that basically means that a large part of underwriting will be completely autonomous. A large part of underwriting will rely on data that's being processed. And we've seen, of course, we see a lot of examples already in the personal lines underwriting space where a lot of the processes and high volumes are already completely processed automatically, but that will move to other lines of businesses too. And in, in that in, in that trend, which is coming to the market, it's crucial to be able to trust the data that is processed there. Can I really rely on that? That data is accurate to provide an instant quote on, for instance, a commercial small to medium-sized business. And when that's accurate, uh, can I deliver that back? And can I then have a smooth experience? So these trends that are happening in the market, it is, it is com- it's tied completely to what we believe where trust is needed from day one to be able to take the step and the leap forward that the insurance market currently is undergoing. Yeah. So in, you bring up a few points here. One of them I'll, I'll touch on kind of two in order. I think this will take us through for this episode, but these are things I think a lot of folks in insurance would be interested to poke under the hood at. One of them is this idea of automating more and more of our, potentially our low hanging fruit, you know, underwriting and claims decisions. It's unlikely that the biggest deal of the year in the most unique, funky, you know, in insurance scenario is, is going to be just something in AI you know, pecks out and we just follow orders. But if we're looking at, you know, underwriting car insurance or some small business that's looking for whatever, if we do a million of those a year, there's probably ways for this stuff, this high volume, potentially low risk stuff to have a higher chance of being automated. But you've seen some of these initial efforts at digitization be things that people have been able to kind of take advantage of. When when you look at some of the first steps of people trying to digitize and automate these these processes, what have been some of the areas that they've missed to leave themselves open to risk? Yeah, so that that's a good question. I think what what certainly examples that we've seen that that are missed is that <clears throat> while opening opening up a digital channel channel that you all of a sudden see an enormous increase in your loss ratio for that book uh, that part of your book of business, and that's why traditionally I think most insurance companies when they they started out with a din- with complete digital processes that they done that in a separate label. Yeah? You're familiar, right, with a couple of these labels that are just selling insurance online, and that's that's always bigger. usually it's big a part of a bigger corporation, but they just try it out in a small part of the business just to see how it how it goes and and to make sure that they're not opening up their entire book of business for what are known to be like more the bad risks and the ones that you really don't want to write in terms of high claim frequency, high losses, or even maybe fraudsters that are in that space. So we've seen a lot of these examples that that actually happened in the market while opening up such a, such a digital channel. And then maybe the other way is also that it opens up new opportunities. So we all know, for instance, embedded insurance, that's expected also to be a huge market potential. So just as a side note, and so we, the, 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 the industry experts here expect it to, be, to grow to a $700 billion market in, in a couple of years. And I think a nice example is what we've seen is that in, for instance, 
where where insurance is part of a of another service that is provided by a digital brand. So there's a nice example from from China, for instance, in terms of where to the online payment, the merchants and the consumers they come together in this in the in the online payment platform where they offer and sell the services. And actually, by looking at that that model, they opened up uh, to the merchants to offer them embedded insurance as part of what they were selling. And they were actually not aware that they had a, a risk there that they were exposed to. So the, the insurance service provider that offered that embedded insurance, they actually made the merchants aware of that and then was able to sell into a big market there. But n- not only did they offer the insurance to the merchants, which before didn't have insurance, there was a, a new market. They also sold it to the ones buying for the mer- from the merch, so the consumers. So they, they offered embedded insurance as part of the products which they bought, right? So protection, that the delivery was, was, was good and high quality or it wasn't lost items and so on. So that shows that it, a lot of these opportunities are now in the market. They are not only just in your current business, but it also opens up whole new pieces of, of a market, which, which we currently were not aware that they even existed. Got it. Okay. So the, a broadening of, of capabilities in that, in that regard. And certainly that's what part of what this paradigm shift involves here is thinking about how do we tackle our current challenges, but also set ourselves up to more thoroughly take advantage of the future. And I think AI adoption really requires enterprise companies to do a bit of both. And oftentimes, smart vendors will have a bit of a vision of both. Obviously, that's what you're articulating here. You talked a little bit about some of those future trends that are only going to be hitting harder. Some of these new data sources, including IoT, some of these new trends around what things are going to be completely automated as we move forward into the future. I want to pull us as we wrap up this this topic today, I want to pull us back into the the right now present and kind of think about what aspects of running our underwriting our claims our investigation operations you're working with now when it comes to this trust as a default idea yes there is getting ready for the big picture when iot steps into the ring in a bigger way etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you think about what you're working on with your customers today to sort of make trust more of a uh, a default so to speak is it the way they take in data? Is it in part how they store data? Is it a re-examining of processes, existing workflows on some level? What are the right now elements that you found to be the biggest needle movers in starting to become more of a trust-first enterprise? Yeah, so I think the right now angles that we've seen, and just maybe a couple of examples. So one of the things is that right now is what we see happening is that Insurance companies that are a front runner in this, they think about trusting the customer first. So they, they, they focus on their underwriting. Can I, can I trust this customer? And if I trust the customer, it can, the customer can then buy any, like a product that they, that they have offered or not. So it's not about more traditional. I'm, I'm accepting the risk or I'm, I'm assessing the risk and I, I, I want to write that. No, they, they have a more, a, a look. Can I trust this customer? And once, that's done and, and clear, they pretty much open every product they have to that the customer. And and the other pieces that we're working on is that we do not tend to focus just on that moment in time where we know we can trust the customer and we understand the risk, but that we also start monitoring that. So 
we're working with some of the customers to really proactively learn what has changed in, for instance, the the enter the the small to medium businesses. What is currently changing in their in their world, which we may need to look at the risk differently, or we reach out to the customer again and say, look, we understand that your situation might have changed, so we want to discuss that you have the right, still the right coverage that that we want. So these are things that we see in more managing the portfolio proactively in making sure that 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 risk stays aligned with what the customer needs. A lot of, of course, we all know that. A lot of data is out there. It's usually an unstructured document. So we use we see a huge uptick in terms of taking data from documents, from images, which is everybody speaks about that that is crucial. And a lot of the insurance companies are doing that now to create a, an easy inflow of claim documents, for instance, to steer like, okay, is this part of the claim? Is it is there a sentiment that we need to give more attention to this customer first? So that's the initial use case that we started seeing, but also, can I really trust this document, right? So is it is it indeed an image that or a photo that was taken for this claim, or is it something which which was manipulated or was taken after a claim while it should have been taken for the claim in order? So these are also the use cases that we see today already happening that are based on trust to make sure that we can have that automated process if we can trust all the documents that are sent in as part of this claim. Got it. And I, I think for the folks who are tuned in, there's certainly particular use case insights here around what junctures AI can add value to. We talk a lot on the show about the junctures where AI can add value, but there's also clearly a culture change and a re-examining of processes that it has to happen to really make the most of this. And I think that's the case with almost any real and important AI adoption process in the enterprise. So I'm glad that we've been able to, to start things off, Christian, by taking things high up at a conceptual level and giving people a big picture vision to work towards. I know we have another conversation coming up, and I know that's all we have for time for this one. But Christian, thank you so much for being able to join us on the podcast. Thank you very much. So that's all for this episode of the AI in Business podcast. Thank you for tuning in all the way through to the end of this episode. And a big thank you to Christian for being able to join us in this episode. If you'd like to learn more about insurance AI use cases, you can download our executive brief for AI and insurance. You can go to emerj.com slash INS1. That's INS like insurance and then the number one, emerj.com slash INS1. In that free PDF brief, you not only be able to get a quick breakdown of some of the most common AI applications in insurance, but also some of the key trends and terminology for AI and insurance. And it should serve as a useful supplement to this episode and to our other coverage in the insurance space. Again, that's emerj.com slash INS1. Again, this episode was brought to you by Friss. A big thank you to Christian for being able to be with us. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you.